I'm going to ask Chad just to share, but he's going to share a little bit more. <laughs> he says prophetically, but um, show me to help you with that. But uh, yeah, so we were trying to weigh up which who should share, but I, I just felt with the elders, um, his word was in line and it's full now. So Lord, I want to pray for Chad right now, Jesus. I want to pray that the words that he speaks will be just of you, Jesus, led by your spirit. And Father, I pray prophetically that uh, we would just allow to captivate our hearts, to direct us, to keep us focused on you, Jesus, because you're building your church, and we want to be that pure, spotless bride that represents you well. And so, yeah, just pray for these words in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening. Hello. So I was not planning on preaching this evening. Honestly, I wasn't, um, and, but I came ready which we should always be doing. When we come to church, are you ready? And it was actually at about quarter past four that the Lord said, I want you to go to church tonight. I was making a nice smoothie for my wife and my kids, a milkshake. We were sitting watching Survivor. <laughs> so we were like chilling on the couch, and I just felt the Lord say, you need to be at church tonight. I was like, oh, come on. Like, seriously, we were at church this morning, and... Um, I'm just going to chill and relax. Sunday afternoons are normally my best time to kick back. But I really had such a sense that the Lord wanted me here. And so just when I submitted what I said to Benny Bud, I've got this word. If you want to use it, use it, don't, whatever. But during the worship, just really felt that it was something. And I actually feel it's more of a word to us, not only to this congregation, but it's actually to us as a people. And it's something that God birthed in my heart. Actually, last week we spent, um, we were in Cape Town for some meetings with Andrew. And during the time... Uh, God just started stirring something in my heart. And, and if, so, it's, so I'm going to really condense it because uh, I think we've had some incredible ministry time and God's done a lot. But I, I almost want to just, I want to encourage you guys. I, I might challenge you. I might offend you. And that's okay. And I'm not afraid to offend you because the word of God offends. Amen. The word of God offends. And so if you are offended, suck it up, buttercup. All right. <laughs> But, I, but more importantly, I would trust that you're challenged and that you're stirred in the Spirit to be more than what God has for you, to be more. And so the word that I had is entitled this, the danger of the drift. The danger of the drift. And so young Timmy Cable sitting right here is a lifeguard, trained as a lifeguard. I was a lifeguard once as well. All right, I do have a speedo still in my costume. True, my, my cupboard. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Although they don't wear speedos, eh? They wear toys, toys like a toyga. But he would know what drift is all about. And if you've been to the beach, if you've surfed, if you've had anything to do with water in the ocean, you will know what drift is all about. Does anyone not know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Anyone, anyone that's from the, like the Transvaal that doesn't, you know, okay, I'm going to explain a little bit with Drifties, eh? It's not, it's not what you do in Brackenfell, all right, or, or Brackpan, or Springs. Drift is something that naturally happens. It's when a body of water moves from point A to point B, and it is a natural process. It can't be stopped too easily. It happens naturally. And so I want to just quickly read you a little story of an incident that happened in 1983 um, on August the 31st. And I'm just going to read it here because it's just better. It's in, the Korean airline flight 007 was on its last leg of its flight from New York City to Seoul and Korea, uh, sorry, from New York City to Seoul, uh, Seoul Korea with a stopover for refueling in Anchorage, Alaska. Unknown to the crew, however, the computer engaging the flight navigation system contained a one and a half degree routing error. One and a half degree routing error. There was a, the navigational instrumentation, there was an error. There was a drift in the navigation system. And at the point of the departure, the mistake was undetectable. But 100 miles out, the error was still unnoticeable. And as the giant 747 continued over the Pacific, the plane 
was drifting increasingly from its proper and true course. Eventually, the plane was flying over the Kamchatka Peninsula and into prohibited Soviet airspace. The Soviet radar picked it up, and the plane picked up the plane, and two fighter jets were sent to intercept the plane. The fighter pilots tried to make contact with the passenger jet, but after failing to receive a response, one of the, fight, one of the fighter jets was given the authority to fire a heat-seeking missile. The Boeing 747 was hit and plummeted into the Sea of Japan with all 269 crew, passengers and crew on board, and they all lost their lives. True story. The danger of the drift. True story. 269 people lost their lives because of a navigational error in the instrumentation of that plane. There was a one degree out, and they didn't pick it up until it was too late. How many of you have heard of the concept of entropy? Any scientists amongst us here? There we go, entropy. Entropy is tied into the second law of thermodynamics. Okay, but I'm going way over our pay grade here. Basically, entropy is this. It is the general trend of the universe towards death and disorder. Something that cannot be stopped. It's happening. We are moving from a position of order to disorder. It's inevitable. It's happening. And I believe it's as a result of sin. Life is not a, a lake, a placid lake. It's a river that is moving. Are you aware of this? <laughs> and so the encouragement is this, is that we are all drifting. At some point in our life, we are all going to be drifting from where we started to, and we're going to end up at a different course unless we put things in place. And, and I want to speak to two groups of people here specifically this, this evening. Firstly, to those of you who are family members of Josh Jen. You guys consider this to be your family. This is your home. This is where you're plugged in. This is where you are contributing. You're serving in next year. With Josh Jen Kids, you're serving in worship. I want to speak to them, but I also want to speak to those of you who have never come into a relationship with Jesus, who have never entered into the fullness of life that Jesus had for you. And so I'm trusting that just through this evening's quick, quick and short message, well, hopefully, I'll try and keep it as short as possible, that you would encounter Jesus, and if you have somehow drifted from the original course that he set out for you, that you would recalculate. You would recalculate where you're going. Can we put up Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 4? Therefore, and when a, when a piece of scripture starts off with therefore, we always should go and look at what was actually written in the preceding text, but we'll get, I don't want to spend too much time on that this evening, but therefore, this is the book of Hebrews, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Therefore, pay much closer attention to what you have heard. We must pay close attention to our salvation. We must pay close attention and if you do not know Jesus, and if you might have heard the message of salvation before, that Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sins, that he loves you so much, you need to pay careful attention. Because if you do not pay attention to that word, and if you do not respond, I caution you that you are on a path that's drifting to eternal separation from Jesus. It's not a popular message, 
We always hear that, oh, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And yes, he does love you. But if you don't follow Jesus and if you don't turn to him and you don't surrender your life to him, you're going to hell. You will be separated for eternity from Jesus. And you might say, how can you say that? That's so offensive. Yes, it is offensive, but it's the truth. That is why Jesus died for us, so that we could be restored into a relationship with him. He died for our sins. He paid the ultimate price so that we could come into a relationship with him. That we would not be lost and that we would not drift from the mark. We would not drift from spending eternity with them. Because, my friends, life is that. Uh, entropy, it's, the second, it's, part, it's tied up into the second law of thermodynamics. Um, I think it was Newton, was one of the greatest scientists of our time. He, he proved all the laws. Gravity, that was the first law, I think it was. What goes up must come down. All right? Then the second law of thermodynamics, encompass entropy. And there were these other laws as well that he introduced in his studies and in his research. But if you've got to understand this, that everything is on a path towards destruction. Everything. And it's because of sin, because sin entered the world through the actions of one man. And it is through the actions of yet one other man named Jesus Christ that, everything can be, that we can actually be recalculating our journey and we can find the mark again. Jesus died for our sins. And so you, for, for, I mean, like I, I referred to, to, to Timmy being a lifesaver. I mean, I spent many years also on the beach lifesaving as well. And, and often you go down to the beach and guys are swimming and we have these flags there. I mean, we always hate the flags because they make us swim here. And the beach is so big, but they make us swim here. <laughs> hey, come on. Am I the only one that hates the flags? <laughs> yes, thank you. We hate the flags. And those flags are put there on purpose to help us and guide us. And when we're out in the water, we don't even realize it. But hang on a sec. I came, I paddled out here, but now the flags are there. I mean, it happens. I mean, we've experienced that. Who hasn't experienced that? You need to go and swim in the sea if you haven't experienced it. I remember as, a, as, a young, as young parents taking our kids to, um, a, I can't remember where it was again, but uh, I think it was Clanbrook River, and we used to go and, and, and have so much fun in Clanbrook River, where we would sit and we would float down with a noodle. You'd jump in right at the bridge, and within about five minutes, you'd land up by the mouth of the river. you just lay there. The drift was happening. The drift was happening. It was good drift. It wasn't bad drift. Because, it, because we could obviously get out just before we entered the ocean. And so drift is happening. It's happening. And unless we are cognizant of this, and unless we make some adjustments now, we will drift into the wrong place. If we do not surrender to Jesus, we not come to Him and give our, and surrender our lives to Him, we will end up drifting into hell. That's the reality. We will end up drifting into hell. If you do not know Him, if you're not in a relationship with Him, if you haven't recognized Him as Lord and Savior, that He died for your sins, the truth is, my friend, you will drift into hell. Because that is the plan. That is part of the, the fall of man. And so this morning, this evening, I, I, I caution you, and it's, like I said, it felt it prophetically. I want to, if there's anyone sitting here this evening that has not come into relationship with Jesus, you need, you need it. You need him. He doesn't need you, but you need him. And then to the church, to Joshua generation. Are you paying close attention to those things? And we've just done a series of called This Is Church, where we've highlighted the values of the church. And I hope that those messages of Andrew were, way, were, were waypoints for you, where you were going, hang on a sec, I've, I've, I've drifted from that thing. I've drifted from that value. And how do you know that you've drifted? Because when we're out in the ocean, it's easy enough when the flags are there and we can see those flags and we're now sitting here. I used to do a lot of scuba diving as well. And one of the things we used to do is you would be dropped into the water here and then you'd go scuba diving for half an hour or whatever. And you come up and you are miles away from where you started because of the strength of that current. Even this holiday, I went fishing with my brother in Stracebuy. And, we were, and, and he, I said to him, are we going to anchor where we're fishing? He says, no, we just drift. And, I, and that current was so strong that every, literally every 15 minutes, he had to start up the engine and go back to where we started again. And we would drift about a kilometer, 
in 15 minutes and we'd have to go back again. It was just happening all the time. And so how do we know when we're drifting? How do we know? And I thought a couple of things I was thinking about is that we know we're drifting when we become cynical about things, when we start to get critical about things, when we look at the way things were and go, it's not like it was. It's not like it was back then. We're very quick to find fault with our leaders. We're very quick to find problems. And we lose our joy. We lose our joy. And so if you've been here for any number of years and you've found yourself becoming very critical, I would suggest that you have possibly drifted. You make excuses very quickly of why you're not available when the call's made. And sometimes the calls, not, it's not even, sometimes your excuses are, are not even that important. When there's, a, when there's a request for hosting or there's a, re- a request for a meal for someone, you're very quick to, hey, nah, I can't. Like, quick, very quick to give a reason. It's because we've drifted. We've drifted from our values. We've drifted from what, that, what God has called us. When there's a call for us to come and worship and bring, bring our, our, our offerings to the Lord, and we go there, hmm, nah. Not me, we've drifted. Church, we are called to live lives of purpose and intent for Jesus. We cannot get slack because we're going to drift and we're going to miss the mark. The more we, the, the more, uh, the more we do it, the further and further we're going get to get away from, from the point. How else do we know that we've drifted? What's well, when compromise creeps in? Compromise, the little things. The, the little things. Oh, they won't notice. No one will notice if I just slick that extra. No one will notice. I'm sure they won't mind if I just help myself to something. The little, not only that, the thoughts, the language, the jokes, the banter, the humor, what we find funny. We know we've slipped. When we never have enough time for Jesus anymore. We, we're always complaining that we're tired. Never got enough time to spend time with Him. We isolate ourselves. These are signs of drifting. When we, spend, when we isolate ourselves, when we don't come to church, actually, we realize that, you know, we don't really need to go to church. I've had a good week with the Lord. I am more and more and more convinced that we actually cannot walk alone. You can't. Single, alone Christianity does not work. God designed us for community. He designed us for one another. And so you know how you realize when you are drifting is when you actually, you actually lose your devotion to the gathering. I, I believe when we look at that, they met daily one in one another's homes, Acts 2.42, that thing of meeting daily in one another's homes, we have seriously drifted from that value because of inconvenience and because of busyness of life. And because we've got so many other things on, I'm telling you now, I'm convinced, I'm absolutely convinced the more I spend time with the believers, and you know why I'm convinced is because I know some of the most intimate moments that I have with the Lord are when I'm with the priesthood. I, I'm being honest here, I have more intimate times with the priesthood than I do when, I, when I'm alone. Shocker. You think, but you should be having intimate times with the Lord. No. I know. I, I encounter Jesus more when I'm with the priesthood when I'm here worshiping with you guys, because I don't sing lacquer alone. I, I, it's hard for me to sing alone. I mean, I enjoy music, I am musical, but it's harder for me to enter into the presence of God when I'm alone. Honest, I'm being honest. It's harder for me to pray when I'm alone. But when I'm with my brothers, when I'm with the saints on a Friday morning with the men coming together to pray, and I want to challenge you men on that, come and pray with us. God's doing something. Come and join us. When we are praying together, something happens. Something happens not only amongst us, but I know in my heart. Like, I'm actually, like, I want to say every night of the week, I I don't know, guys, I go, well, we won't have time. I think every day, every night of the week, we should be having spontaneous worship parties, spending time praying and worshiping the Lord. Honestly. And I know you are, but what about my family? What about your family? Your family should be doing it with you. 
but I need to be spending time with my kids. You know what? My kids are serving the Lord today like they are. And you guys, some of you guys might know my kids if you don't know. My son is serving the Lord passionately. Why? Because every day since the day he was born, he was in a meeting with us worshiping the Lord. He was. He was on the floor sleeping. He's under the chairs. And Nikki was pushing him in the car, you know. He, we weren't holding back because we had kids. He came, and today, all three of my children are serving the Lord. I've watched Benny and Lauren's boys, Connor, on, on worship. Come on. Bryden's in Mauritius. He's, I, I chatted to him this afternoon. He phoned me. He said, Uncle Chad, can I phone you? I was like, what do you want to phone me for? He doesn't even phone his own dad. <laughs> and we, had, we, we chatted for about 10 minutes. He says, you won't believe what's happening here. We prayed for someone this morning who had a sore back, and they got healed. Come on. We, we, we baptized someone last Sunday. God's doing things here in Mauritius. It's a boy who's served in the church every, he's come to church faith. His parents have counted the cost. He's counted the cost. And he's counting for the king and the kingdom. He's counting. He hasn't drifted. His eyes are still fixed on Jesus. His eyes are still fixed on Jesus. Connor, seeing you worship, my boy, was so amazing. So amazing. Well done. Come on. Come on. You know, we make excuses. This compromise creeps in. We think, man, my kids, I'll just teach them at home in my little safe environment. Rubbish. Sorry, I'm, if that offends you, I'm actually not apologizing offends you because I have seen the benefits of having my kids being discipled by other elders, other men, our kids' church workers. I've seen the benefit of that. They've come with perspective. They've come with encouragement. It's been a blessing. It's helped me because I only know in part. I'm not perfect. I'm not... I wish I was. My wife thinks I am. <laughs> but I think part of why we are slipped away and why we are drifting is because we have forsaken the body. We have forsaken one another. We have forsaken gathering together regularly, making this thing the most important thing. And we know that spiritual fatigue sets in, that tiredness, that laziness. And we just suddenly go, you know what? Ugh, I don't need it so much anymore. We're drifting. You know, other, other signs that we drift is when a, when a crisis in the family arises. How many times have I seen that when there's, when there's an illness or a death? It can have two effects. It either pulls you closer to God or it pulls you away from God. But I've seen it more than often that it pulls guys away from the Lord. I've known many incredible people over the years that the moment there's been a crisis of health or whatever like that, it's pulled them away from the Lord. It's sad. What about a crisis in the workplace? And this is the funniest thing. It feels like this, that whenever things are going really, really bad, that actually we push in more to Jesus. When suddenly, when there's no money, and when I'm really struggling to get a job, and it's like I'm praying, hey guys, get, gather around me, gather around me. The moment we get the job, poof, gone. We drift away. The moment we get the position, the moment the finance is coming, poof, gone. Where, where is that oak? No, he's got a job, and he's gone off with a job kind of thing. But when he, when he was sickling, he was here. He was here every Friday praying and asking for, you know, he, the, there's a scripture that says, for the love of money is the root of all. Not money, the love of money. And sometimes wealth and finances and jobs can be a thing that causes us to drift from God. I was so encouraged this morning just by hearing one of the young guys in our congregation sharing he said, you know, he, he, he had this job, and he realized that, I mean, he, had a, he started work at 6 in the morning and worked till 7 at night. Like, that's quite a long day's job. And he prayed, and he said, God, I want to spend more time in your kingdom. I want to spend more time in you. I want to build into your church. But that came at a cost. He, he lost 70% of his finances. You know what? He says, it doesn't matter. Because the Lord has provided and He cares for me and He looks after me and we're trusting in Him. But man, I'm able to sow into the kingdom. I'm able to build into young people's lives, into young people and in, into the church. I'm there to serve. I want to get involved. He, he's, he's decided that his work and his circumstances in the work are not going to allow him to drift from time with the Lord and time with the body. But so often we allow a work situation to just pull us away from God. Chasing the pound. You know, there was, a, there was a season of my life and when all my school colleagues and schoolmates all went off to Europe. And a lot of guys that were serving the Lord with me also just, poof, gone. 
I tell you what, I can count on one hand how many of those guys are still serving the Lord today. Just walked away from the Lord because they got caught up in the marketplace. They got caught up in earning, earning pounds and just lost, totally lost. Don't, don't let jobs get in the way of what the Lord wants to do. Don't let that pull you off. That's a drift. Even for some of us, uh, like, I, I, I mean, I know you guys are pregnant. <laughs> Don't let that child cause you to drift away. <laughs> really, I want to encourage you. Don't. It's, it's the saddest thing I've seen it time and time again when parents have a child and we don't see them in church for weeks, for months. Oh, it's so difficult. You don't understand. I know what it's like. My, ask my wife. I know what it's like. Children are a challenge, especially when they're crying and they're crying and they're keeping you awake at night. But I tell you what, don't let that little one. Do you know what you're having at a boy or a girl? No. Surprise. Oh, you do know. You're just not telling. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> but whatever you do, I would encourage you guys, don't let that little one get in the way of what the Lord has for you. Because there really is. There's an incredible calling on your guys' lives. There really is. Gideon? Hey, bro. Jong. Come on. That was power, my bud. So please, I want to encourage you. Don't let the birth of this little one distract from what the Lord has in your lives. Let him be part of, him or her, let them be part of the journey. Let them be part of your inheritance. And don't let them cause him, him or her to, to cause you to drift. <laughs> they. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know yet, okay? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Okay, quickly. Pay careful attention. Stay awake and alert, church. Stay awake. Stay alert. First Peter 5, 8 says this. It says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be watchful. The adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. He's out to get you. He's out to destroy you. Stay awake. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep, Stephen. All right. <laughs> Stay awake, <laughs> dad of a new baby. Watch and pray. Mark 14 says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. Yes, I have an amen. Thank you. Someone agrees with me. Ephesians 6 talks about putting on the armor of God. And here's a little thought. It's not the armor that God has for you. It's the armor of God. Did you hear that? It's not some special armor that he fashioned and formed for you. It's his armor that he takes off and puts on you. And I don't have time to go through all the scriptures that cross-reference those things, but it is his armor. It's his armor. That when I, when I had that revelation a couple of weeks back, I tell you, it blew my mind. This is not just some armor that he has for me that's going to fit me. Like you can imagine David trying to put on Saul's armor, you know, that was too big for him. No, God's armor on us. He puts his armor on us. Choose to stay close to him. And you know, we need to remain anchored in him. We need you. That's the only thing that prevents drift, is a lack of anchor. I mean, if any of you have had anything to do with boats, and this is the incredible thing, they're different anchors for different substrates. For rocks, it looks differently from sand, from mud, all those kind of things. But the important thing with an anchor is the chain. It's the chain, the length of chain. And so we need to have the right anchor in place that stops us from drifting. I remember about, and I'll, I'll finish off, I'm going on longer than I wanted to. But I remember a few years back, we lived in Cape Town. And one, one week, uh, a hectic storm came through. Massive storm. I mean, it, you know, if you've been in Cape Town on a southwest, on when that southwest, northwest blows, at least. And we lived in a little bachelor flat, Nick and I, in our first few years of our marriage, right on the beachfront. And man, when that wind blew, yes, that glass would rattle. And we would like put the tiles around the edges <coughs> as the water would come through. And, and so the wind blew, and it blew for two or three days, and it stormed, and it rained, and it howled. And eventually, when we could get out and go to work, we drove down the beachfront, and there was the biggest oil tanker 
waged on the beach. Sorry, Mr. Wage, not trying anything. <laughs> it was waged on the beach. It was actually the boat's name was the Silly. Funny, how's that? <laughs> it was waged on the beach. This massive boat was waged on, and there was no way that boat was. I mean, what had happened is during that storm, its anchor chain had broken loose, and the drift from the wind and the storm had caused this massive oil tanker to beach probably about 100 meters from the, the shoreline. Massive thing. I mean, it stood there for about five years where they just couldn't move it. Eventually, the only way they got rid of it, they were welding it and trying to cut it down. And eventually, they, they blew up the thing kind of thing. I think, they, I think KFC had a few pieces of shrapnel. That was crazy. They actually blew up the thing. It was quite, a, quite an event in, in Tableview. But the only way they could get rid of that boat was hours and hours away. But the thing is, its, it's, it's anchor had broken. And and it had drifted in, onto the beach. I mean, it didn't even hit rocks. It hit the sand. They tried to dredge it out. Nothing was going to move that ship. It actually gave us a great wave. So we had, we had, we had some good, a good surf spot for a couple of years. Choose this day who you will serve. I, I, I hope, you know, like I said, I, this might not be very polished a preach, but I you know what? For me, the heart of this thing is that, guys, we're drifting. Can we make sure that we don't drift any, any longer? Can we throw out a line? And can we hook on and can we pull back? You know, just in, the thing for me that is the key is this, is where is your focus? And so if you've ever tried to swim across a river that's in flood or at, and the, the speed of the river is cruising at quite a pace, you, if you start here and say, I want to get to, to um, Sean, this cuz went blank on your name for a moment, you know that if I start swimming like this, the current's going to pull me down like this because the current's pushing me down. So by the time I get across the river, I'm going to be a good few hundred meters away from him. Same like we, I told the story with the airplane. The only way that I can get to Sean is to make sure my eyes are fixed on him and I actually have to swim into the current. I have to swim upstream a little bit, because, but, and then eventually I'll get to him. I've got to keep my eyes fixed on him, because if I take my eyes off him for one minute, I'm going to drift down. And that's the same thing with Jesus. If we take our eyes off him for one minute, we're going to drift. And so Josh Jen, church, bride of Christ, don't take your eyes off Jesus. If you found yourself distracted by finances, by family, by children, by work crisis, by whatever it is, if you found yourself caught up in those things, and you, you know, like I said, how you know that is because you've become cynical, you've stopped coming to church regularly, you've lost some of the values, you don't find it so important to pray. When we worship, you don't come up to the front, you sit in your seat and you go, oh, I don't need this so much, actually. You've lost sight of Jesus. You've lost sight of Him. I'm telling you, you know what's going to happen? You're going to come out downstream, and actually, He is the safe place. Let's not drift. We need to be alert. We need to be watchful. We need to be so mindful that we will run this race well, so that when we finish it, we will receive the crown of glory. That is the point. Church, we need to wake up. We don't have time to mess around. We really don't have time to mess around. For you young guys, you are such, you're so fortunate that you're growing up in an environment like this where you're surrounded by men and women that love you and are passionate about seeing you walking in your destinies. Don't throw it away. Don't throw it away on the world and what the world has to offer because it's fleeting, it's momentary, and it's, does, it's not going to last for eternity. It's just short-term short -term gain for long-term pain. Really, that's all it is. It's these fleeting, pleasurable moments, and it's not going to see you into eternity. It's not going it's it's, it's to benefit you when you stand before him one day, and he says, well, what did you do? And you say, well, actually, I want to read that. For this reason, make every effort, every effort. I just want to close with this, this scripture. Um, where is it now? Sorry. 2 Peter 1, verse 5 to 10, it says, For this 
very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue knowledge, knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, increasing, not just enough and drifting away, because that's what's going to happen. Drift causes them to decrease. You've got to allow them to increase. If they're yours and are increased, they keep you from being ineffective and or unfruitful in the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. Who wants to be effective? Who wants to be effective for the Lord Jesus Christ? I do. And so I should not lack these qualities. I need to allow them to increase in my life. Otherwise, I will drift away. For me, there's one key quality there, and I think this is something we, most of us lack, self-control. Self-control. We give in too easily to the flesh. Young person, young person, exercise self-control. It'll lead to godliness. Steadfastness, that's this thing of holding on. Holding on, steadfastness, self-control, a knowledge of the Lord, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, loving one another, the church, being part of the body. For if, you, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective. That's the devil's plan. He wants you to be ineffective. He wants you to be unfruitful. He wants you, like I've got some, I've got a fig tree that has been terribly unfruitful and it's going to get cut down. It's going. It's going. I'm, I have tried everything. Uh, Lucas, Alex, maybe you guys need to come help me. But this tree is useless. It's the wrong kind of fig for this area. I'm, I'm, and I'm sad because when I got it, it was this high. It's now a massive tree. But every year the figs are useless. They're these hard, ugly, dry things. Ah, oh, they're terrible. And I'm like, I look at them starting to happen, and I'm going, yes, I'm going to have figs this year. And you know what? I don't. And so this year, it's going. I'm cutting it down. The tree's about five meters high, but it's going. Because I've given it five years, I gave it all. I've watered it. I've fertilized it. I've done everything. It's useless. It's been cut off. It's going into my compost bin Tomorrow. I'm serious. It's useless. My strawberries are more productive than that thing. And I've only just planted them. <laughs> yeah. Let us remain steadfast and allow these things. And let's not drift. Let's not drift, guys. Let's not drift. Let's stick our eyes, keep our eyes on Jesus. Can we close? Can we stand together? Let's stand together. So firstly, before we close this meeting, if you have never given your life to Jesus and you know that you have never, never recognized that he died for you on the cross, or maybe you know about it, you heard the story of the cross, but actually you haven't given him your life. You haven't received his forgiveness. You've lived your life for yourself. You've done it your way, and it's been your way. There's no other way. But actually, I want to tell you tonight, friend, that Jesus wants to give you life and life eternal. And so maybe we can just close our eyes for a moment. And I want to lead us in a prayer. And then if that's you, I want you to pray with me. Maybe we can all pray together, actually. That's always so great because it means we're not doing this alone. And we say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to die on the cross for my sins. That you said that if I confess my sins before you, you will forgive me. And so, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for sinning against you. Please forgive me. Wash me clean. Can I just pause there for a moment? You know, in that moment, something supernatural happens. You know what happens? He forgives you. 
in that simple prayer, if you meant it when you said it, He forgives you. Isn't that incredible? And so just in this place right now, I want you just to receive the forgiveness of the Father. As you've asked Him, maybe there's things in your mind, you know you've, you've done some stupid things that you shouldn't have done. You disobeyed, you stole, you slept with some other person you shouldn't have, or you did drugs, you've like committed crimes, you've been a bank robber, you've, you've maybe murdered someone or whatever it might be. Those are hectic things. I know it sounds hectic, but maybe you've done some crazy stuff. Maybe you've just been a, an ugly person. As you come before him and ask him to forgive you, he forgives you. So maybe the things you need to name. Lord, I'm sorry for losing my temper and swearing at my mother or my father or my child or my son or my daughter. Please forgive me. And even if you are a believer already, and you know, you just go before him, you ask him to forgive you. It's a good place to start. And just receive his forgiveness. It's supernatural what happens. His grace is free. We don't deserve it, but he forgives us. And Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you love us. We know that you are a just God. But you are gracious and merciful. And we receive your forgiveness now. Lord, I pray that as we've asked you to forgive us, that you would come now supernaturally. And would you, would you come by your Spirit and just, I want to say, take over. We want to, and, and, and that's almost the next part of the prayer, is, Lord, I want to give you my life. You want to say that with me? Lord Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to follow you. I don't want to drift away from you. I want to follow hard after you. I don't know what that means right now, but I know that it's what I need. You know why I pray that prayer like that? Because you know what? Following Jesus is a journey. Doesn't mean you have to know everything at the outset. We're dirty. That's why we come to him, because he cleans us. Clean people don't have a shower. Dirty people do. And when we choose to follow him, he now gives us instruction. He gives us tools. He gives us things that enable us to stay clean and to stay on the path so that we're not going to drift from Him. And so part of that is this body here. Part of it is His Word, the manual for life. We need to be reading this thing. Part of it is learning to talk to Him. A big word for that is pray. And part of it is being bold and going to someone and saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Praise the Lord, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to give him my whole life. I've decided to keep my eyes fixed on him, knowing that when I do that, I will not drift into destruction. I will not drift into despair. That's what it means when we give our life to Jesus, folk. And if that's you for the very first time, or maybe just, can I ask, just let's keep our eyes closed. If you realized this, this evening, sorry, I keep saying this morning because I'm fixed in the AM congregation. If you know that that's you for the very first time, eyes closed, won't you just put up your hand? Is there anyone here this evening that has decided, I need to follow Jesus? I've never, I've never followed him. I think I know better, but actually I realize that he knows better. Is there anyone here this evening? And then to the rest of us, bride of Christ, church. I'm not going to ask you to respond right now, but I, I want you to 
go and do business with God. If that's okay, Benny, I don't feel we need to call up guys to come and respond because we've had a, a great time of response already. But I, I kind of feel that, that you know you've drifted. You've, you know, we often refer to a, 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 an analogy of someone in the circus who's spinning plates. And, and you know you've, you've dropped some plates, that you've allowed some plates to spin. You know that guy that he stands there, he's got a stick, and he puts the plate on it, and he starts spinning it. Then he puts another stick, and he spins another plate. He takes another stick, he spins another plate. He goes about six plates, and he starts it. And by the time he gets to the sixth one, he's going to go back to the other one, spin it again. And, and it's like, it feels like there are these plates that are spinning. And you've got so distracted at the rubbish on the floor that that plate and the next plate, the next plate's all dropped. And Jesus, I believe he's asking you to keep your eyes fixed on those plates and spin them. Get them spinning again. Stop drifting. Church, stop drifting. Stop drifting. You could miss out on what the Lord has for you. You could miss out on your inheritance. You could miss out on great and incredible things because you're so fixed on this. And, and maybe you need to do some repenting. Maybe as a husband and wife, you need to do some, some navel-gazing. A little bit of that. And asking each other, where have we missed the boat? And maybe if you can't sit, maybe you need to sit with your leaders and say, where have we drifted? And be, you know, posture your hearts in a, in a way that if they tell you, that you go, I didn't see it. Well, of course you won't see it. That's, the, that's what happens. You don't see it. But go to your leaders. Go to those who are, above, who are, who are leading you in the Lord and say, how have I missed it? How have I taken my eyes of Jesus? What do you see? Because I, I recognize that I'm a little bit cynical. I'm a little bit critical of the preachers. I'm a little bit critical of the leadership. A little bit like those little things. It's those little things. You, and I tell you what, we need to, we, God's calling us to perfect unity. And so, Lord, I pray for this congregation as I pray for Joshua generation. This congregation represents one of 50 congregations around South Africa, Lord God. I pray for your bride, that, Lord Jesus, where we have missed it, where we have allowed drift to come in and pull us away from what you have, that, Jesus, we would confess it as sin and we would come back to you, Jesus. That your church would come back to you. That we would stop messing around. We would stop messing with the enemy. We would fix our eyes on you and we'd come back to you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Convict our hearts this day, Lord God, that we would be so convicted when we leave this place that the first thing we do is, is that we pick up the phone and phone a lead and say, man, I need to have a coffee with you this week. I'm sorry, I haven't given you my heart. I haven't given you my all. I haven't been there. I haven't got your back. I've been cynical towards you. I've been critical. I've pulled away. I've taken my hand off the plow. I've taken my hand of serving. I'm like, you know what? Other people can do it. Lord, I pray right now that I believe that this is a word of you. In, this, is your, this is your spirit speaking, Lord God. This wasn't my idea. I wasn't even planning to come and preach tonight. I was enjoying my milkshakes at home. But Lord, you had, a, you had an appointment with us. You had an appointment with us, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We surrender to you, Father. We give you our hearts anew. We commit anew to you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, would you just convict where, where there are hard hearts, where there are calloused hearts. Lord, would you come and would you... like? I almost have this picture of the Lord coming with a piece of sandpaper. And I know that feels like quite rough and abrasive. But for some of us who struggle with cracked heels, is there anyone that struggles with cracked heels? You know what I'm talking about. But I suffer from a condition where my heels get very thick. The skin gets very thick. The only way I can get rid of those cracks is by taking a piece of sandpaper and sitting and sanding away the skin. I almost want to pray that the Lord actually starts to come and do that on the calloused hearts. That that sandpaper would come and would get rid of that hard skin.
so that he can get to the soft skin and get to the soft place, that intimate spot. Because some of us have become so hard, so hard, so hard. And actually, you know what? My heels, when they get hard like that and thick like that, the cracks get in there, and man, it's so sore. And I think some of us have allowed our hearts to get so calloused that they're cracks, and actually our hearts are getting, our hearts are getting defective. And you know what happens when we, why my foot gets sore? is because poison gets in there, the dirt gets in there. It's an infection. And the only way to get rid of it is to sand it off, to sand it off, to spend hours, a bit of cream, go to bed with socks on. It's like this whole process I've got to go through. It sounds terrible. But I think, I think that's something that God wants to do in our hearts as well. It's like he wants to get into your hearts. Your hearts have become hardened. And it's like you need to let the Holy Spirit come and sandpaper it away because those cracks are there. And you know why you know? It's because there's, there's an owie there. He wants to come and put the ointment on and let it heal. But it takes a bit of work from you. It takes just a bit of surrender and going, okay, Jesus, I'm here. I don't like having to sand my heels down. But I tell you what, it's the only way that I can, that they can get better. And let Jesus, he wants to do that. He wants to do that. So Father, we thank you, God, for, just for your word, Lord, this encouragement, this, this word that has been challenging, Lord God. But we, we just ask that you would help us to, to make ourselves available to you. Cause us, God, to keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if I can just say, there's, there are lots of people around. If you want somebody to pray with you, if you want to process or start the, the, the journey of processing what um, you've heard or how you've been challenged tonight, there's still time. It's not too late. Um, so come. Cool. Bless you guys.